All right. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the From Hobby to Full-Time podcast. If you are tuning in for the first time today, welcome. We are officially on episode number seven. And I have been doing different series um, as we have been going. And throughout all of March, I'm going to do... um, I'm going to touch on the four cornerstones that I believe you need to have in your mindset in order to be a successful entrepreneur. So this is going to be a mindset series. Every week, we're going to talk about a different mindset that you will need to adopt if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, if you want to own your own personal standing business. Um, I think this is going to be really fun. Uh, Mindset is something that is critical. to becoming an entrepreneur because there are a lot of ups and downs, there's a lot of uncertainty, um, there's a lot of fun, there's a lot of creative process, but you have to have a really strong mindset. So before I just keep saying how strong your mindset needs to be, let's dive into this episode. So we are gonna start with the big one in my mind, and that is failure. I believe that in order to be a successful entrepreneur, in order to have a successful personal styling business, you need to embrace a failure mindset. So the fear of failure is what stops so many people from going after their dreams. You may have had one of these thoughts roll around in your own head, something that goes a little bit like, what will people think of me if I start this styling business and then it's a flop? What if I just can't get clients outside of my friends and family? What if I promote it on social media and people make fun of me or people steal my ideas or it just doesn't work? I might as well not do it. There are also the failures of action. When you do something and it's actually an utter flop, you make a mistake and you fail. So I wanna share three of my failures with you and then three ways for you to overcome your own fear of failure. Because in order to be a successful entrepreneur, I'm going to say it again because repetition is key, you need to embrace this idea that a failure mindset is good for you and it's going to help you grow and you don't need to be afraid of failure. That's what I want to hammer home is that you don't need to be afraid to fail because we're going to flip the script on what it actually means. So failure number one, I sent an older client who was in her 60s style recommendations using a template that I use. Um, Only I failed to fully review some of the templated recommendations and sent her some things for breastfeeding. Obviously, my 60-year-old client did not have a child and she was not breastfeeding, so this was definitely for a totally different client, and she called me on it. I felt horrible. That was pretty much a failure, right? Like, I failed my client. I failed myself, but what I decided to do with that was to figure out what was my lesson learned. So from then on out, with that experience, that quote-unquote failure, I always proofread my work two to three times, and I've made it a habit to actually physically print a hard copy that I can go through and read on paper. You will be surprised at how many errors you catch that way. So failure number one, I had a major mishap with a client, but I learned a really important lesson on really proofing my work and taking care that I was just honoring and being careful with what I was sending out. And I actually changed some of my habits to prevent that type of failure from happening again. All right, failure number two. I worked with a client who assured me that she did not need a closet clean out. She just wanted to create some outfits. Now, nothing necessarily inherently wrong with this. However, my process when I work with clients is to always start with the closet clean out. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Um, But I really wanted to just book the service. I really wanted the money at the time, so I agreed. 
And I'm sure you can guess what happens. We spent most of the time when we were supposed to be making outfits, cleaning out her closet, talking about things she didn't like, why she didn't like them, and getting rid of them. And we ended up making about eight outfits. For a two-hour session, that's a major fail because I usually make anywhere from 15 to 20, if not more outfits. The client wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. It was not a great situation. So from this failure, I figured out that my lesson learned is to always stick with my process. If a client doesn't want to go through my process, then they are not the right client for me, no matter how much they want to pay or how much I think that I want or need that money. So even though, yes, that was definitely a failure, the client had a bad experience, I had a bad experience, I learned something that helped me with future clients and I put it into action. Last failure that I want to share with you, another client I was super excited to work with. I typically, in my process, um, when it comes to the shopping phase, I spend three hours shopping online, sourcing all of the links and all of the recommendations for pieces that I think the client should buy to help overhaul their style. So I did this, I sent it to her, and she hated them all. I really think her words were like, you missed the mark, or I don't like anything. Um, I don't know what it was, but I immediately was like, I don't really know what happened. My head was not in the game. And so I told her that I would completely redo it for her on the house. And I did that. I got into the focus mode and I hit it out of the park and she really liked all of those, but I did have to eat that three hours of time. And I had to think through like what went wrong in this scenario? Where did I fail? Where did I fail this client? And so my lesson learned from that was not to rush, not to um, treat everybody like they're the same and to treat every client like an individual person and really be focused on the work I'm doing and not just treating it like a job. So obviously there were, um, these are three things that were failures. There's places that I messed up in my client work. And fortunately these um, are really kind of my only main negative experiences. There are definitely things I would do differently in my business, things I would consider, things I would want to tweak. But I'm very grateful for each of these quote unquote failures because it brought me lessons. It brought me ways in which I can work better um, as a business owner, as a businesswoman, as a professional. And it brought better processes to my clients so that they get better results. If I hadn't embraced this failure mindset, I could have easily let them derail me. And who knows if I would be still be working for myself today, right? Because it's very easy to take a failure and let it knock you back. There are a few other failures or things that could possibly happen to you. So these were very client specific, um, but I could definitely think of some things like the fact that I um, had to have some part-time jobs when I first started my business as a failure, that I wasn't able to go into my business full-time right away, right? Some people might consider that a failure. Um, I could also consider the fact that I was doing like maybe other work in styling, like taking on uh, photography work or social media clients or things like that as a failure. But those to me, I've rewritten. And so now I want to share with you a few, three ways in which you can cultivate a failure mindset and have it work to your advantage. So I recently read Marie Forleo's book. I think I have it right here. I'm going to show it to you if you're watching on the YouTube. Um, but it is called Everything is Figure Outable. And if you don't follow Marie Forleo, she's a really excellent uh, business coach. She has a, a business program called B-School. And she's um, a very particular personality. So she may be your cup of tea. She may not. Um, but one of her quotes in her book said that I win or I lose. I, or no, what was it? Sorry, I'm like misquoting this. I win or I learn. 
I never lose. And I love this concept and this idea because a lot of people think failure is loss or if they fail, they lose something. You lose time, you lose clients, you lose money. And those things can be true. But when you're able to look at some of those things and say, okay, I either knock this out of the park or I learned a really valuable lesson about how I can do things differently or better, then you are never ever going to lose. So adopting a failure mindset is more about adopting a learning mindset. If you don't want to call it failure mindset, that's totally fine, but there's definitely going to be tons of learning opportunities and I want you to embrace those, right? Be curious. How can things be better and different? How can you take things and learn lessons from them. So here are my three ways in which you can adopt a failing mindset and have it work for you. Number one, failing is a learning lesson, right? We just talked about this. Um, in her book, in Marie Foyer's book, she gives an acronym to fail, which I love. And it says failing actually stands for faithful attempts in learning. You're doing the best you can, right? At any given time, you're doing the best you can with what you have. And you will 100% make mistakes, but you'll learn from them in order to do it differently next time because you're just continually to faithfully attempt to do things and learn from them and move forward. Number two, failure fades. Guess what? Failure is not permanent. It may sting, it may sting badly in the moment, and you may cry and you may think your business is failing and it's gonna fall apart and no one's ever gonna hire you again, but that is going to fade. It may not fade in a day, a week, or a month, but it will. And then you'll be able to cultivate those learning lessons from it. So it's important, again, we're circling back to learning. Failure fades, but the learning moment will stay. And finally, number three, you are not a failure. Again, from Marie Forleo, she was a big inspiration to me for this episode, but in her book, she quotes Judge Pratt, who had like a judging TV show. Um, and this person said, failure is just an event. It's not a characteristic. People can't be failures. One of the biggest challenges that I think as entrepreneurs, and I will speak 100% for myself, is that when you start a business, when you have a brand, when it's a lot about the work that you are doing for other people, it feels very personal. And so if you fail or you make a mistake or you have to fix something or you have to own up to something and change it, a lot of times that can feel like you are a failure, that you as a person are not cut out for this, that you as a person are never going to be a good business owner. You're never going to be a successful entrepreneur. You're never going to work you know, full-time as a stylist. You're never going to have this full roster of clients. And I want to remind and iterate to you that you are not a failure. You may make some mistakes but you are going to learn from them because if you're listening to this podcast then you've adopted this failure slash learning mindset and you're going to make it work for you, but you are not a failure. <laughs> failure is just an event. It's not a characteristic. People can't be failures. And I want you to remember that as you go through your entrepreneurial journey, because that's going to become the hallmark and the underlying factor of this failure mindset. You are not a failure. Failure is just an event, it's not a characteristic. People can't be failures. So I would love to know a time when you, quote unquote, will consider something that you failed. What was an event that caused failure? What did you learn? I would love to know if you can share those stories with me. Let's start a conversation. Let's talk about the event or the time that you 
and I keep saying you, that, but that something happened, a mistake happened, you learned something, you fixed it, you moved forward. Hit me up on Chic Stripes at Chic Stripes on Instagram. Feel free to shoot me an email at chicstripes at gmail.com. And let's talk about it because the biggest way to cultivate this failure learning mindset is to put it to bed, put it to rest, admit or say what happened, say how you felt. In all of those stories about some of my three failures with my clients, I felt embarrassed. I felt sad. I felt um, uneasy. I felt guilty. I felt really crappy. Um, and I definitely cried and I was angry. And I learned a lot of really beneficial things that I am now passing on to you in the event in hopes that you will take those and um, add them to your own repertoire in building your failure learning mindset. So, all right, it is time to hit up some listener cues. And this one comes from Liana of at Be Brilliant Styling. She asks, what are the best ways to gain new clients remotely? Example, outside of meeting in person. So this is a good one because it's the age old question of how to get more clients, right? But the remote half of this can be a whole other ball game because some people are really afraid of the internet and they are convinced that services can only work if you are in person. So I want to give a few recommendations for how I might go about doing this. Number one, show your work on Instagram and social media. So I said this in a previous podcast and I stand by it, especially, especially, especially if you're looking for remote clients, I'm assuming that you mean people that don't live near you, right? So this means that most likely they're seeing you on the internet. Give them something to look at. Show outfits that you create. Show yourself shopping. Show yourself working your process. And if it works, show yourself with like your actual clients, right? If they're going to let you do it or crop out their head or whatever, but show your work on social media. When you work with remote clients, you have to build trust. You have to build a relationship. And so you're going to need to show your work. Um, if you are only posting selfies or only posting pictures of yourself, and yourself be like styling yourself, that's not gonna be enough, right? You need to establish social, social proof and you need to show yourself working with people other than yourself because what that's doing is that's showing that other people, a lot of other people trust you and are paying you to do this work. If you're just starting out, you may have to do this with friends and family and they may not pay you, they may not pay you what you eventually want to be paid, but you gotta start somewhere, so show your work. Number two, show your remote work. Okay. So the best way to get more remote clients is to show yourself working remotely. This helps potential people get over that fear of the fact of the whole internet being like a weird, creepy, strange place. Um, and it shows it working and being effective. So as much as you can show your remote process, if you're shopping online, share sneak peeks behind that on Instagram, um, do a whole blog post on this, share it on social media, get specific testimonials from clients that you have worked with remotely and ask them to share like before they worked with you and after they worked with you and how that remote process worked. So you want to be really specific when you're sourcing that testimonial from that particular client. Number three, create tried and true processes and work through it yourself. I definitely 100% recommend that you have an in-person styling business first before you go virtual because this will really help ensure that you know all of the steps that you need to take with a client to make sure that they're getting the best style services to overhaul their wardrobe. So 
this lets you know going through a style inquiry, a cleaning out the closet, donating the clothes to charity, or consigning them to shopping, making their style plan, wardrobe action plan, whatever you want to call it, um, to doing their colors, if you're doing colors, to making hair and makeup recommendations, possibly to creating outfits, to getting them close. So when you do that in person, you are getting all of those steps down. Because what you're going to have to do when you work remote is translate that into a virtual process. So once you have that down, then you can create kind of those missing link pieces, right? So when you're working remotely, you're probably not going to be inside of that client's closet cleaning, but because you work with enough clients, you know the process, you know how to tell people how to do it. And so you can create PDFs, you can create worksheets, you can create videos, you can create the support materials that you'll need to talk and teach your clients how to walk through this on your own. Okay, so some examples of this is going to be cleaning out your closet, like I already said, ordering items online, um, like like actual the actual purchasing, right? Like not sourcing links or recommendations because you are probably doing that for them as a stylist, but like how to order, like the best way to order, return policies, how to read the sizing chart, all of that stuff. Um, giving them feedback and uh, tidbits on trying on their clothes and assessing them for fit um, and how that's going to work in a remote setting and then creating outfits, right? So chances are you are not going to be in there creating outfits, but you can give them some pointers or some guidelines or easy formulas to do that with. And finally, point number four, these are a lot of recommendations, but point number four is to vet your clients. So when you work remotely with clients, I would say 90% of the time, if not higher, that client is going to have to do a lot of work themselves, right? We just talked about them at point number three. So you really need to state that upfront to your client when you have that initial consult with them. Now, hopefully they kind of understand that, right? Like if they're remote and they're contacting you, Hopefully they understand that they're going to have to do a lot of work on their own, but you as the stylist are really going to need to make sure that they have the time, that they have the energy um, to put into the work that they're going to have to do, knowing that they have you there for the support and they can ask you questions, but that they are going to be able to clean out their closet on their own, that they're going to be able to really like try things on and send you pictures or ask you for updates. So vetting your clients up front is also another huge way that you can make that remote work for you. So hopefully this helps you, Liana. Um, getting new clients remotely is, like I talked about in another previous episode, is one of the best ways to um, get more money in your business and gain more clients because as a stylist, sometimes you're limited to your geographic location. So if you can work with someone from all over the United States, all over the world, whatever country you live in, that's going to help you get more clients, make more money. All right. I'm going to move on to a fun new little segment. Um, it is going to be called Star Reviews. And I actually kind of want to um, review any review. So even if it's like a bad review, which I hope I don't get. But if I do, you know how people like um, <laughs> will like read their like hate comments. I really don't want to get hate comments because I'm working through some stuff on my own about people pleasing and <laughs> um, wanting to avoid conflict. So maybe I do need to get them so I can work on that. But anyway. This is a good review, so I don't know why I'm telling you all this because I don't want to spur on negative comments, but at some point, I may read a review and they may say, your voice is too high or you move your hands too much and you're not for me and I'll be like, great, then you're not for me either. And that's hopefully what I'll do when I uh, get that kind of review. Anyway, I'm going on to a good review. <laughs> this is what this says. So a few episodes ago, I answered Yvonne's question. Uh, she messaged me on Instagram with a question and her question was how to get more clients outside of friends and family. And on the podcast, uh, I answered that. So she said, wow, thank you so much for answering my question. That's exactly what I'm going to do. By the way, 
excellent podcast. So if you want to go take a listen uh, to that episode and to her question and the pointers that I gave her, you can do that. It is episode number four. So, all right, that is a wrap for today. As always, come over and join me on the gram at Chic Stripes. You can also sign up for the Personal Stylist Digest. This is a monthly newsletter with just a ton of things that you need to know about the fashion industry and really specific things for your personal styling business. Um, the Founders Door, Founders Club doors are open till March March. We're starting in March. What am I talking about? February 27th. Um, so if you are listening to this, I believe when this comes out, those doors will still be open. Um, and then we are not going to have another round until the summer. So hopefully you got in, hopefully you get in. Um, and if not, then you can get on the wait list uh, because you are not going to ever want to miss all of these goodies ever again. So see you next week. All right. Little outtake. How do I turn this off? Okay. Bye. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a few minutes and tell you about the Founders Club because the doors are open this week and you've got a limited amount of time to make a decision to join. If you haven't heard of it yet, the Founders Club is an online membership community that helps personal stylists dream, launch, and grow thriving personal styling businesses. So what exactly does this mean? Well, for as little, this sounds really cheesy and salesy guys, let me just lay it out to you. <laughs> For $55 a month, there is an option to pay for the entire year and you get two months free. You get access to the Personal Stylist Business Bootcamp, which is my 12 module course that we'll go through together over the next three months to lay out a blueprint for your personal styling business the way you wanna set this up. This covers everything from money to what you should charge to how to create services to the best service process that you can create. We're also even gonna talk about bookkeeping, finances, and taxes so that you'll know exactly what to do as you set your business up. You're also gonna get, for that $55 a month, industry expert trainings to help you improve your skills as a business person and as a personal stylist. I bring in other people who are experts in their industry to help you and you have full access to ask them the questions you want. You also get coaching calls. This is the time for you to hop on a Zoom call. If you're watching this on the video, we talk just like this. You ask me a question and I prompt you to work through and find the answers to your specific business question. You will also learn from other people in your community because chances are if you have that question, somebody else does too. You also get access to a super supportive community of personal stylists. I am the first to tell you that personal stylists and people in fashion are catty and they are secretive. You can ask somebody, hey, how'd you do that? And chances are they're not gonna tell you. But inside of the Founders Club, we open up the doors and we let you in to say, hey, this is how I booked that speaking gig. Hey, this is how I got paid for this. Hey, this is how I dealt with this difficult client that I had. This is how I created these services. This is what I used. We help one another. You also get access to the entire training vault of all of the trainings and coaching calls and resources and downloads that we've had for the past year. And there are some gems inside of there that are perfect for if you are wanting to do LinkedIn strategy or you're wanting to up your newsletter game. You don't have to do it all at one time. That's exactly what this is for. When you're ready to tackle that piece in your business, those resources are there for you. So what is my goal with the Founders Club? It's to equip you with the tools to go from hobby to full-time. 
Who is this for? You may be asking yourself that question. It is for personal stylists. It is for the newbie stylist who is a little lost. It just doesn't know where to turn. This is for the dreamer stylist who wants to pursue this business idea but feels so incredibly scared and unsure of just what next step you're supposed to take. And this is for the stylist who has a few years under their belt and just needs that push to get to the next level, that next new idea, that next new way to expand your business to start making the money that you want to make. The doors for the Founders Club are open through February 20th. There's a reason that they're not open all the time because we go through the Biz Bootcamp and I wanna make sure I can give everything I can to these stylists, to the new ones coming in, so that you are equipped to launch your business the way you want it to be. So if you are waiting for the perfect time to start your business, then that time just found you. I will see you on the inside.